You're listening to the Third Base Dugout, presented by Dorm Room Sports. Welcome back, everybody. Episode seven of the Third Base Dugout. This week, we got an awesome interview with former Arkansas Razorback closer and now Washington Nationals pitcher Matt Cronin. But before we get started, I'm Deer. I'm with Shelly and Tex, and we've got a little baseball news for you. I guess it's in the horizon. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's better than nothing at this point. I guess when this when this episode drops, it'll be a week away from the draft. Yeah. And yeah. that's about the only baseball news we're going to get this year, it seems like. Well, yeah, because, I mean, obviously but two sides can't get to an agreement. It's the millionaires versus billionaires, which no one likes to hear about. But I get why the players are upset about this because they're risking – their health and well-being, you know, so these billionaire owners can make some money. So I, I get that. But the draft, where none of these guys have millions of dollars, to their name at least, you know, get to play professional baseball or get an opportunity to play professional baseball. Yeah. It's always a good time. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation around, like, the first two picks of the draft, and then after that everyone kind of knows. I mean, they're all going to fall into place in some other order, but it – the first two picks, everyone are like everyone's kind of flip flopping them. Although number one is rather solidified by now. Yeah, I think. Um, but Shelly, do you have a do you have a person that you, I guess, is, are looking forward to seeing how they pan out in the MLB? I t- I guess I had two. There's one in particular that I really like is Asa Lacy out of A and M, Texas A and M. For anyone who doesn't know what A and M means, uh, it's a big lefty arm. Uh, power fastball. I think he can run it up to 97. I mean, this this dude is a physical – like, he's a physical pitcher. Like, this, there, there's not a whole lot more than that. He's got awesome breaking stuff. And the ceiling is very, very, very high for him. As Michael Jordan once put it, the ceiling is the roof for this kid. <laughs> and, I, I mean, he just dominated college baseball for three years in A&M. I guess two and a half. Yeah. Half a season. I mean – he could honestly, you could make a case for him being a number one pick if the Tigers didn't already have stacked starting pitching in their system. But I could see him going as high as two, but he's not falling out of the top five unless something crazy happens. But this well, I, is legit. I, I see him and Emerson Hancock kind of in the same in the same boat. Yeah, uh, I mean H- Hancock's good. Like I, again, he's an elite prospect, but Hancock got hit around a little bit this year, which was scaring some scouts away not really scaring away but it was a cause for concern like there was there was i think university of richmond like they hit him around like he was throwing batting practice against him i think they ultimately georgia ultimately won the game but i mean there's some it's sketchy plus it's hard to find elite left-handed pitching in the draft and like an already pretty much ready to go prospect and that's asalisi in my opinion at least I agree. I agree. I, I think as a Tigers fan myself, I think uh, Austin Torkelson is going to be the guy out of this. Uh, Tex is very happy about Bundesliga right now, obviously. Um, he is pumping his fist for those who are just listening. Uh, as Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are playing right now, that's nice to have at least some, some live sports back overseas. Um, text can maybe give us uh, something on on that on the student section here next week on Bundesliga and how that's coming back. But um, yeah, also or, uh, Spencer Torkelson is going to be my guy that I think is going to pan out. Um, obviously, he's likely to be the number one overall pick. Lots of Tigers surprise people. Um, Torkelson, a first baseman, has raw power to all parts of the field especially to his bull side. I mean, he can hit monster home runs with bull side. Has very good play discipline, walks a lot, and also hits really well for average. And it's not every day you see a first baseman go number one over on the draft. I believe it's only ever happened twice before. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez was one of them, and I don't remember the other. Um, but it's – they – I mean, first having a first baseman go number one in the draft, you've got to be pretty special. And so I think I think the Tigers will make the right move with going Torkelson at number one. But – uh, Tex, you, you you got somebody for us? 
Yeah, I think if the Tigers have a clear eye and the executives in Detroit are looking for a great catcher, they should uh, reach Jurgen out of uh, Virginia. Um, D3 guy, but he's a great guy, great personality, and he'd just make a perfect fit in Detroit. Yeah, no, I also just so happens that he worked for us too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does work for us. Forgot oh. about that. More world could could have a number one draft pick on our hands. Mm-hmm. Another name, though, I think to watch, Nick Gonzalez out of New Mexico. That dude puts up video game numbers. And, and yeah, he and, led that batting average title last year, right? College. Yeah, and I think home runs. I think he led home runs two years ago. Um, I mean, he was. He so, was. Not only so, like, he played in higher altitude conditions in New Mexico and whatnot, and it'll not a great baseball conference by any means, like, not, not anything special. But the reason why I think this guy's going to be legit is because he went up to the Cape Cod League, which is not even arguably is the best college baseball summer league. Like, if you, if you want to go play pro baseball, you play in the Cape Cod League. Won the MVP in that league. Pretty much was the far and away best player in that league last summer. I mean, that's a. I mean, if you want any more reason to like get pick this guy in the top five, even if the Tigers decide to, you know, do something crazy, pick him number one. There you go. It's all right there. Yeah, I mean, he's not a big guy either. He's 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 just a little bit bigger than Jose Altuve, and that's about it. Yeah, that's the only knock on him is he's not as big as you want a uh, a middle infielder, but Altuve is the perfect example of height doesn't really matter if you've got the skill. So he played a lot of shortstop at New Mexico State. I think he's going to get moved over to second. Yeah, uh, and, and, and if you want offensive production out of your second baseman and not really, like, defense, I, I don't know his defense that well. I haven't really studied him like that. But it's a no-brainer if you're looking for your, your franchise second baseman. Yeah, I was looking at his stats, and I think he was around, like, a um, – I think it was like a 965 fielder. 960. Yeah. Not great, but maybe neither was Derek Jeter. So, like, you know, you know. But I mean, out of a middle infielder, sure. Yeah, that's not great. But I think in this situation, if he's going to make it to the big, it's going to be on his offensive production. 100%. And that's usually what you want out of your second baseman anyway. You don't like defense for second base is obviously very important, but they'd rather have you producing at the plate. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to. Um, Ooh, I want to. What's your thoughts on Austin Martin out of Vanderbilt? So obviously he'd be number one if Torkelson wasn't on this list. Um, but I mean Austin Martin, he's a pure hitter. He's probably the best pure hitter in this draft class. Um, he is an all-around player. He's really good defensively. Really good at the plate. Um, I mean, you you can't. I mean, you can only find one better player in this draft, and maybe that's a stretch. Um, and, I mean, him and him and Torkelson are, are literally deadlocked for me at, at the number one spot. I I can't help thinking about Dansby so-and-so whenever I think about Austin Martin. I don't know why. Maybe it's the hair. Maybe it's Vanderbilt. Maybe it's him playing shortstop. I don't know why. There's something about him that makes me think it's just going to be a dance, another Dansby Swanson. Yeah. I mean – and Vanderbilt is almost they almost scout the exact same. I think yeah. Austin Martin's a little bit better of a hitter. Really good defensively. Yeah. Clearly and there's a prototype they there. They showcased that Vanderbilt for sure. And I'm I'm really looking forward to next year when Kumar Rocker gets to come out. Well apparently his mom doesn't want him to come out. She wants him to really? stay for four years. That's wow. why he didn't get that's why he didn't get drafted at all coming out of high school. Who does to him though? You're an idiot if you don't want to, if you don't want to go get, get a lot of money. Regardless. He was going to be the number one overall pick anyway. Like you, you know what? At least he's getting a, a good education, I guess, and not a hundred you know million dollar contract. You know what I like seeing is that this year it's a little bit different than some past years. We've got a lot of college guys coming out first. Yeah, like it's not a lot of high school guys front loading the draft where it's like the top three, four picks for high school guys. Like, you don't have a high school guy until, like, the eighth pick. In the I, don't, I don't think it's a very deep high school class this year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like it. 
Because I mean, or that or it's just a really deep college class. Also, you only have five picks this year. You don't really want to like take a risk. Like, you don't want to do like like obviously in past years you could take a flashy pick higher with less consequence than if you went with the smart pick. Now it's with five rounds, you got to be conservative. And now the Astros and Red Sox, but the Astros lose their first round pick, Red Sox lose their second round pick, so they have four picks. Yep. And I mean that makes it even it makes more a lot of strategy. Hundred percent. Now, baseball is weird though, because just because you pick the first round, your first round pick doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make it. There's been number one overall picks that have never even played a game in the big leagues. It's just yep. it's such a crapshoot draft, and now even more than ever with five picks, like it's it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of teams that don't go for it. Like they would in years past. Yeah. I mean, I think that if there is a surefire player to make the big leagues out of this draft, it's going to be Torkelson just because of the way the Tigers farm system is. They don't have much power at first base in their farm system. And holy crap, I just had a bug just flying in my mouth. And, and Miguel uh, Cabrera is at the very end of his career. Like as close as you can – yeah, exactly. What Tex is doing, if you're watching, like, yeah, he's he's right there at the end. It's – it's yeah. it's setting up perfectly for Torgelson to come in there, maybe a year or two in the minors at that. Boom. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think he's – I think him and um, Adley Rutschman are going to be kind of on the same path. Um, obviously, Rutschman a year ahead, but, like, they're going to follow the same path up to the majors because both of the teams are just horrible. I feel like catchers, though, compared to our first base, it might take a smidge longer just because there's a little bit more to the defensive aspect. But – at yeah. the same time, like, Adley Rutschman is moving incredibly fast through that Orioles organization. I mean, As could, I believe Torkelson will if he is picked. He could very well be in the bigs in 21. Yeah, I agree. But and then another issue that comes with that getting up there quick is they get arbitration eligible faster. And uh, yeah. that's always a factor. So, like, guys will wait in the wings a little longer than normal. Or not normal. Like, the, it was the issue with Flag Guerrero Jr. Like, he was big league ready – a while ago, but they didn't want to, you know, do all the contract stuff. Like it's, uh, I wish there was a better way in baseball, but this is the system that we have. doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. No, I don't think so. I mean, and I'm actually kind of curious to see with this year not taking place, what the Tigers will do with that rotation down in double AA, A, triple A um, with Scoogle, uh, Mize, Fiedo, Manning, those four, I mean, do you bring them up in 21, even though they've had that extra year of training without playing in games? Or do you let them well, play games in well, 21? And well, then the, argument, the argument there is, like, yeah, they're probably not as ready as they would be, but they're also a year older, and that's a year less that they would be pitching for your club if you keep them down. So, like, there's going to be an interesting – debate the best way to probably do it would be to just put them in big league spring training camp and see how they fare and then if they do well keep them if you see something you like keep them up there uh, I feel like that that core is going to learn on the fly I don't yeah I, I think, think they're just going to throw them out there to the fire and see what happens kind of like what they did with the Mets uh staff they just sort of threw them out there like here we go you guys yep. are ready to go Tex I want to bring up your Dodgers really quick here I mean one guy that I'm two, I guess more so two guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing come up for the Dodgers is going to be Dustin May and Bruce Dardarol. I don't even know how you say his name, but I mean both of those dudes, I think are going to be in the same mix as like Walker Bueller and, and Kershaw right now. I Dustin mean, May got a bunch of innings last year. Yeah, and so I mean he you, he's probably going to be our number three or four, four or five. He's already MLB ready. Gratol is also throwing a little bit in the bigs, but he'll be a great setup guy for Kinley Jansen. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, or I take Kinley's spot. I think the Dodgers will be very well set off when Kershaw retires. Um, I, I yeah. think they're going to be fine. Um, sure, they're going to lose a Hall of Famer who is who still kind of seems like he's in his prime right now. Because Kershaw's only 32, though, so he could be there for another five years. <clears throat> Yeah, Kershaw's really reinvented himself. 
uh, losing the 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 mid nineties fastball, kind of kind of like the way Glavin and and, and Maddox were able to to revitalize the career. The great ones always get better with age, despite losing their skill. Kershaw has been a great example of that. Like obviously, yeah, yeah he's got to see some numbers fall off. Like that's just age is going to do that to you unless you're Roger Clemens. <laughs> but and Nolan Ryan, I guess, because he never really fell off either. But the Dodgers are in a great spot, at least from a young talent perspective, offensively and pitching-wise. Yeah. Now, I want to shift sort of to our interview. I want to lay a little backstory with y'all to the 2018 College World Series. Obviously, when we, when we talk to Matt, it's going to be a slightly still possibly sore subject for him just because, I mean, that is – that may be one of the worst endings I've seen in a college baseball game. And that like those stakes on the line, like in a long time, top, top of the ninth inning, Arkansas needs one out man on third, Oregon state gets a guy to pop up foul territory. Arkansas overruns the pop-up ball drops single in the five, six hole. Guy comes in to score, and then a two-run bomb loses the game for Arkansas, and then, and then, obviously Oregon State ends up winning. I cannot imagine being in that position, and I'm so excited to hear this interview and just see like what was going through his mind like right after that pop-up. Because I mean, we I, we talked to him, and he's he's willing to talk about it. I'm I'm excited to hear like what his thoughts were. But I mean, I just couldn't imagine being in that spot. It's, that would suck. I, I, you can't throw your teammates under the bus. I don't know about that situation right there. That he didn't do anything yeah. wrong there. Yeah, Matt did his job. But with that, I think we're going to segue. Unless Tex, do you have something to talk about with the KBO? Uh, the dinos. The dinos are hot. They're rolling hot. I haven't. This is really bad of me. Like, I really planned on being a Key Room Heroes fan, like, legit watch Key Room Heroes games. And I have not watched a single It's just – it's 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 tough when the games come on at, like, 3 in the morning, like, uh, East Coast time. Like, it's just – it's tough. It is. I enjoy watching them. Yeah, but you don't sleep, so you don't really count. Yeah, you text us at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> uh, the plans for the day. Correct, I do. Keep it at 1 o'clock and you tell us right before the interview, oh, hold on, I'm going to go make breakfast at, what was it, like 105 when you said that? I should just live in Korea. Yeah, you probably should. You're probably already on their time, honestly. <laughs> and at one o'clock, a 1 o'clock in the morning game for Tex is like a – Mid-afternoon like game. ADM, or, no, probably more like a 7 or 8 p.m. game for them. Yep. <laughs> so, so the five o'clock game is the ten o'clock game here for Tex. Yeah, pretty much. Correct. So exactly. what time is what time is it right now in your eternal clock? Oh, uh, like eleven thirty. Eleven thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, in the morning. So you run on twelve-hour days. Correct. My schedule is wake up. At around – well, usually sometimes if I don't sleep, I'll go to the beach and run at, like, about 6 a.m., watch sunrise, and then I'll go to back to bed. Wait, hold um, on. You don't sleep? You have nights where you don't sleep at all? And you just – Correct. You just decide not to sleep. You just go run? Correct. And then I, I go on bike rides, and then I come back, take a little nap between 11 to 2-ish, and then my day really starts at, like, 3 o'clock. I don't understand how you run after staying up all that time. You're better yeah, man than me, man. It's just adrenaline, I think. I wake up. Well, to, like when I put, like when I'm trying to go to sleep, the sun's up and the birds are chirping on my window, and I'm like, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just gonna go to the beach. I see. So you know the music video for um, the Lonely Island song, uh, where it's like, I think it's like, I don't know why, but today's gonna be a great day. Where the guy just wakes up in his kitchen. That's like text. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't sleep. Here's the birds chirping, and it just starts going right to work. Mhm. On some, the the whole joke though is he's, on, uh, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. on to the Matt Cronin interview, fellas. We will be right back. All right, now we have on former Arkansas Razorback closer and now pitcher in the Washington Nationals organization, Matt Cronin. Matt, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? Doing all right. Hanging in there during these times, man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good Memorial Day? Uh, I did, yeah. Went out. Uh, we got a little place called Crab Island out here. We took a boat out and, and had some fun with some of our friends. All right. All right. Nice. Man, it's – gosh – I guess it was it a year ago today or a year ago in about a week or so you were uh, getting drafted. I guess this is coming out in a week and a half. So uh, yeah, uh, the draft was, what was that? That was like early June. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be coming up on just about a year ago. Man. Well, so oh, I was going to say, wait, what was that day like for you? Uh, so day two of the draft. Uh, that was, that was more stressful. I mean, cause I, I didn't know exactly where I was going to go or whatnot. And so, I mean, day one was just sitting there and uh, just wasn't hearing a whole mu- whole bunch. And I don't know, I was kind of just getting frustrated with it. And then day two comes and I'm just trying to – I just want to get off the board at this point. There's t- the, what was it, rounds three through ten on day two. And I definitely didn't want to be sitting down there when it was getting down to the end of day two. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was definitely just relieving for the most part, getting it off your back. What was your plans that day? Like, did you did you have your whole family, whole family with you, or were watching it by yourself? Just mom and dad? Like, what? So, what was happening? Uh, yeah, I had my parents there, and at the time, my current girlfriend was there. Gotcha, gotcha, man. I, I bet that that was an exciting feeling getting getting drafted. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. So let's take you back to your pre-Arkansas days. Um, basically the recruiting trail. What made you go to Arkansas and be set in stone as the closer in fresh in your freshman year? Man, that's always a funny question because at the time when I committed, I was I was like an, a nobody. I didn't have any other offers at the time, and uh, I was up in Arkansas already. I went up there for a camp every year, anyways, and that's where my family's kind of from and. My parents talked me into going to a little Arkansas two-day camp, and they really liked me, and they offered me a couple days later, and I just accepted on the spot, and it's never really looked back on it. Turned so, out to be a pretty good thing. Well, I was going to say, Kelly. I was going to say, because you're from, I don't want to mispronounce your, your hometown, but is it Navari? Navar. Navar. All right, cool. So Navarre. you're from Navarre, and that's like relatively close to the Florida State in, in Tallahassee, but it's also like kind of in the middle of SEC country. Was was that a factor for you going to Arkansas, being in the, near SEC schools, or was like Florida State definitely up there too, since it was kind of like in your backyard? Um, I mean, Florida State was. I, I just I don't know. I, I definitely because everyone from my high school kind of went there. It felt like, and uh, and I knew I always wanted to play in the SEC, and so SEC was was always my just goal growing up. That's what I knew, and that that's what I always shot for. But uh, did I ever think Arkansas was going to be a shot? Not in, not until I showed up at the camp. No. Man, it's crazy. So actually, speaking of pronunciations, I was genuinely curious because I saw this the other day. Is it illegal to pronounce Arkansas wrong in the state? Like, is it is it illegal to pr- pronounce it Arkansas? Um. It's not illegal that I know of. Um, I don't know. I think Twitter told me. I don't think we make a big deal out of it, really. Are you a Marlin fan? Uh, what that? What's up? Are you from Florida, so are you a Marlin or uh, are you a um, Tampa Bay fan, baseball fan? Or not? I mean, obviously, were you growing uh, up? Yeah, no, growing up, uh, I didn't really watch professional football. Um, I was a Virginia Tech football fan because that's where my dad went. Uh, and I was a Cardinals fan because my whole family is kind of from Missouri area. Yeah. So when you get drafted to the Nats, are you rooting for the Nats or Cardinals? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of stopped. I, I realized probably about sophomore, junior year of high school, I realized that I probably need to stop caring so much about what team I want to root for and whatnot. Because and, I, who knows? If I was a Cardinals fan, I get drafted the Cubs. That's that's, that's a good rivalry right there. But I, I can't let that. Happen. Yeah. And 
Yeah, that is true. But so let's go to Arkansas here when you came in as a freshman. Um, you were actually the 165th ranked prospect out of high school. So you could have gone out of high school. They chose to go to Arkansas. Is that, Was that a decision that was pretty easy for you? Or, or what, was the, what was the mindset behind that? Uh, I think, I mean, only way I think I would have gone out of high school for the draft would if I was a top two rounder, probably, which okay. I wasn't at the time. I was maybe six rounds, somewhere around there. But uh, I think I, I, was, I needed a lot of maturing, especially coming out of high school, and college was an easy choice for me. Yeah. So I guess it was sophomore year, you set the Arkansas record of saves. Coming yes. a national phenomenon closer where you're, I mean, you were well known across the college baseball world. And you broke a record that was previously set five years prior. Yeah. Did your, I guess, um, paparazzi around campus change at all uh, after that year or after your freshman year when, I mean, you kind of hit the ground running? Um, so it was, I mean, my freshman year, I didn't really do a whole lot contributing for big games, not until the end of the year at least. And then going into the sophomore year, uh, I, I definitely wasn't set as the closer at the time. It was just uh, I had kind of gotten those opportunities early and then just ran with it. And uh, it probably once postseason came around for sophomore year, that's when I could feel like a level of, of stuff jumping up, especially when we made that run to Omaha. I just that – was, that was when you, you really saw the next level of uh, what it's like to kind of be – more of a well-known figure on campus kind of kind of a lot like the quarterback and I mean those guys are way more well-known than most of the baseball players but uh in a way you get a little taste of it and it's cool I don't know baseball team's a little better than the football team there yeah but <laughs> I, I'm just glad, I'm glad I don't have to deal with what some of those football guys deal with I know that they've gone through in the past yeah yeah Shelly well I was gonna say so you were a reliever your entire college career. And, like, obviously guys go into college wanting to start, but it didn't seem like – I mean, maybe you were presented that opportunity. I don't know. Some guys just love the bullpen better. Like, did you ever consider being a starter or were you just sort of like, this is kind of my role, like this is what I'm made for? Uh, I mean, coming out of high school, I definitely wanted to be a starter. And then there, there was that, that fall freshman year where I, I kind of I'd, – I'd never really worked out before. I mean, I would do a little bit, but I had never gotten, like, a real college workout before. And uh, I put on a good bit of muscle, and I started throwing a lot harder and decided it was a lot more fun to throw hard for an inning or two than <laughs> throw for seven – try to go for seven innings. And if, if, you don't, if you don't get six or whatever, it's not a good start. Which, I mean, in multiple in 10 of your 14 appearances, I believe, in your sophomore year, you went more than one inning. So, I mean, yeah, you, had, was, you had that flexibility. Yeah, we had – that was a big thing was uh, was uh, we were trying to figure out some bullpen pieces that 2018 year. And uh, so we had Blaine Knight as our Friday night guy. And he would consistently get us six, maybe into the seventh inning. Uh, but then they just – they took me straight into it. And, and so I was getting many two-plus two inning saves. I think of, uh, when I think of closer entry, I think of uh, Heath Bell in an all-star game in Arizona, just sprinting onto the mound. So I got two questions. Did you have any kind of – what was your routine when coach would call you in the seventh or eighth, and then what kind of walkout were we working with down in Arizona for you? Uh, so my routine was uh, I used plyo balls. Those weighted balls filled with sand. And so uh, when, I, when they're telling me that when – it, when it's looking like I'm getting ready to go in, I – get up and I, I have three different weights that I use and I just start chucking them as hard as I can against the wall. Uh, and during all that, I'm probably, I'm probably drinking some pre-workout or something, but uh, then I'll jump up on the mound do whatever I feel like I need to do. And then I get slapped in the face and I go out there. I remember <laughs> that slap in the face, man. I remember that seeing that video. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. Well, hey, look, there's your just you ever, you ever tried drinking these before going out the pitch, the bangs? Um, I had never tried them before pitching. Uh, in college, I had a couple. Uh, they made me feel bloated, but 
I can't drink them anymore now. What walkouts? What, what's my walkout? Yeah, well, what, what was it if you kept it the same in D.C. or in your pro life? Um, so I didn't get to actually – I didn't get to pick my walkout last year getting there halfway through the season uh, for pro ball. So I didn't have a walkout. But sophomore and junior year, I used Shepherd of Fire by Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. That's good. All right. All right. Well, let's – all right. I think this is the topic that I, uh, people have been waiting for here. Right. The 2018 College World Series. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw the wolves at you yet uh, with that game too. But let's talk about game one. You're in the college, or actually, you know what? Let's go to the game one of all of the College World Series, or I guess Arkansas's game one. So the first game that Arkansas played, your first game in Omaha. What was that like stepping onto uh, that field on TD Ameritrade Park for the first time? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we definitely have to see it because we get there a few days before the whole College World Series starts. We get to practice on the field, and, uh, I mean, it's it's a different kind of setup. They got those tunnels all all behind, under the concourse that you can uh, you, you just you can walk around the entire stadium under it, basically, and uh, just all of the, the stuff they got, all the batting cages inside those tunnels before you even get to the field and, and all of these little workout areas and, and all that stuff that you got up there, and and just massage rooms. You can just set up a time and go get a free massage and they, they really know how to treat you in there. And then you get out on the field and, and uh, I mean, it feels like a big league ballpark. Uh, definitely. Cause I got to play in Kaufman my freshman year. And I mean, that it's, it's just a different feeling. You, 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 there's a level that you can understand when you, when you hit that spot and you're like, Oh, this is a, this is a nice ballpark. This is something different. Yeah. I mean, Thousands and thousands of fans. I mean, I know you're used to thousands of fans playing in SEC, uh, in SEC baseball stadiums. I mean, LSU, uh, yeah. gosh, I mean, those, Ole Miss especially. I mean, they they pack their stadiums, but it seems like there's a whole different atmosphere in TD Ameritrade when you go there. Yeah, there is. And uh, Arkansas definitely. It's not. It's, I think it's only like five hour drive, and they travel well. And uh, oh yeah. So when we when we were playing, it was always a sea of red, and it was always a lot of fun. I was going to ask that because, like, usually a lot of the teams that go don't travel as well. And it's a lot of just, like, baseball fans there. And maybe not as invested in the game, but still they, they love being there. I was going to say, is that is that a weird environment to play in, not having, like, a, a set fan base? Um, I mean, it always kind of felt like whenever we were playing there, it was kind of a home game. Uh, uh, we would definitely get a lot of Arkansas fans would travel and then with – Coach Van Horn, he was also the coach at Nebraska and took them to a few World Series. And uh, so the Nebraska fans, they'll, they'll show up with, if they're not represented there and they'll, they'll root for the Razorbacks as well. So let's head on to game one of the College World Series final against Oregon State. You come mm -hmm. in for the save, getting your first save. Because you that was your first save of the College World Series, correct? So that was my second. I got uh, Florida in the to send us to the finals. Okay, so getting that save in game one, how was like? What was that feeling knowing that you walked off that mound, being one win away from a College World Series championship? Uh, I mean, it definitely felt good. Uh, it it kind of felt like we uh, we stole game one from them. I mean, because we got we got out hit. We got. Uh, I mean, we we just got kind of lucky with with what happened and. Uh, we were out hit and just happened to be the hits we got. We would string together and, and a few things went our way and we, we outscored them. And so it's definitely just a huge confidence boost knowing we could kind of steal one from them and, and uh, have, have to just win one of the next two. And, and that's what we were looking forward to. Hey, that, uh, that Adley Rutschman kid and Nick Madrigal, they're pretty good, huh? Yeah. Uh, I got to play with Rutschman a little bit uh, in summer ball, but yeah, he just followed me on Twitter the other day and it made me feel good. <laughs> All right, so the inevitable question is game two. You – it wasn't your fault at all. I mean, the, the pop up in foul territory to win the College World Series. Fielders get the, the confusion on the pop-up, ball drops, and then chaos breaks loose. What, what, what goes through your head during that time after that pop-up drops? So I mean I don't I don't put the blame on anyone because I I think that's a tough play especially with with how loud the crowd is and and all the screaming going on but uh 
I mean, initially for me, I see the pop-up and I kind of relax. I, I let my shoulders drop and I'm like, oh, that's it. We just, this is going to be it. We're, we won the game. We won the World Series. And so I kind of relaxed. And, and this is the first time I had gone back-to-back in 2018. And I was somewhere around 40 pitches. So, I mean, I was, I was pretty gassed. And so I was just happy to kind of let it all. And then you see the ball drop. And that was probably the hardest thing for me was being – as worn out as I was and trying to get myself pumped back up to get back in there and, and do it again. And I, I remember watching that as it happened and I just felt a level of pain. Like as a, as a pitcher and myself, like I, I just felt a level of pain after that ball dropped. I'm like, I know just because of the way baseball works, some BS is about to happen right now to where some, like something goes wrong. And it's just because like the baseball guys just hate it. And, um, but man, I, I just remember watching that and the way game game three ended up happening and Kevin Abel's, um, outstanding performance. I just felt bad for y'all. I felt bad for, especially all the seniors on y'all squad and, and, and the guys that believe in after the junior year and the draft. And I mean, it, it, it was tough. It was tough to watch for sure. Yeah, it was. And, uh, I think a lot of us look back on it and, I mean, we, we, we got outplayed in all three games. We were out, we were out pitched and we were out hit. And uh, it's just things went our way to, to put us in the opportunity to win it. And, and uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. We should, we, I think we should have won it. Uh, it was very close and, but things just didn't go our way. And, and that's just how it rolled. And, but uh, I think a lot of us look back and we're just happy with that whole experience and being able to say we were there. I think about how many college coaches I know ours, we do the, pop fly calm like stuff like that but like how many different coaches across the country have watched that play and just be like hey we need to focus on the little things like obviously it's a tough play I mean yeah. I mean yeah being in that environment and everything I couldn't imagine but just how many college coaches have harped on like hey that play right there like that could run out away I and mean, obviously it sucks but it's crazy yeah, no, I mean it's just a lot of little things and you can come back and you can pick out a bunch of little things and if we did this better we might have won the game or things might have might have happened differently but that's stuff you got to prepare for ahead of time all right i want to transition into a a better subject for you at least so that i think you probably had more fun doing than watching probably one of the worst baseball moments you could have whatever anyway so summer (laughs) ball is probably the most fun a college baseball player can have obviously it's a little bit more relaxed baseball but at the same time like it's it's really fun like do you have any great summer ball stories from when you were in the CPL or playing for, for Team USA? Yeah, no. It can be anything. Like, it doesn't have to be on the field stuff either. What's going on? Oh, I actually had a – I feel like I have a perfect example of uh, – it was in the Coastal Plains League. And this was this was the year when, when standoffs during the national anthem got really big. Oh, and yeah. uh, I still think the whole situation was really stupid. But So we started down in the bullpen. And the bullpen was like 40 feet in foul territory. So we were just nowhere near on the field of play during the national anthem. And me and like four other guys like stayed standing on the mounds in the bullpen. And the umpire started yelling at us and picked me out of the group of four guys and threw me out of the game. <laughs> I was just, it, it made zero sense. And my parents were pissed at me. And I don't know. Texas was a, uh, all-time perfect game league. Sorry, sorry. Shelly, go ahead. I was going to say, our uh, text right here was all-perfect game league uh, national anthem standoff champion. Correct. Right. Yeah, he also was the beer batter every night, too. But <laughs> so I was the only D3 guy in the league. But I know. I'd... Yeah, I, I was just – I was in disbelief that I had got thrown out for something that happened nowhere near the field, and I wasn't disrupting anything. The summer ball umpires tried are just such tryhards. Dude, how do you get thrown out of a game you haven't even entered? It's just I don't know, it was, but it was it was a double header, so I couldn't play for the first game and then ended up closing out the second game that night. Wow. I love summer ball. Did you get any bad uh bad calls behind the plate from the umpire? I think so. I I don't really remember. Man. That's wild. What teams did you play for in the Coastal Plains? Uh, I was on the Holly Springs Salamanders. What, what was it like playing the Savannah Bananas in their yellow yellow uh, jerseys? Uh, I don't think we ever went and played them. Really? I don't, but I've played at that. I played at that stadium. Gotcha. With Team USA, though. 
Gotcha. What was what was that like? Because that's that's basically a, a college baseball's version of an all star team. Yeah, no, that's it's definitely a lot of fun. Just uh, I mean, it's cool being with all those different guys, and you're like, man, this is these are a lot of guys that that could be really big names one day, and and some already were, like Adley Rutschman, and um, but no, it was cool just hanging out with those guys and and seeing how weird or how goofy some of those guys you think are are all serious when you see them on TV or whatever. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun to play uh, for the country, especially uh, the 4th of July. That was a fun night. So did you get uh, to travel anywhere like crazy? Because I, I think last year's team, they may, may have went to Japan. Yeah, no, I would, I would have loved to have gone to Japan. I know um, I had talked with some guys who played with the high school team, USA team. And uh, they got to go to Japan there and talk about how cool it was, though. But uh, we went to Cuba, which was a cool experience, too. But I think I think I would have liked Japan better. Goblet, <laughs> Espanol? Uh, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me talk about some of your uh, Arkansas teammates. Uh, right. Kate Martin and Keston Houston, both of them are pretty damn good ball players. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Kierstad's been a name since his freshman year, and he's been – he was really good in the Ellis College World Series run. Mm -hmm. And um, so, if you – they're both going to end up getting drafted this year. Um, if you can pick <coughs> one of them that you have to get out when they get to the big leagues, who would it be? Well, when they get to the big leagues? Or if you face them in the minor leagues. Uh, see, that's a tough one because I – I feel like I'd rather face Casey, even though I've faced him before in fall ball at Arkansas. And first at bat, he took me yard. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like I've kind of figured him out and uh, figured him out a little more. I just – Heston can be scary for me sometimes. Uh, I don't, I don't, and and I, I'm a weird lefty. I prefer facing right-handed hitters. It's just hmm. – doesn't make sense, but I do. Interesting. I feel like too, as a hitter, the the kind of the 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 fear of not knowing a pitcher definitely makes it a little easier. But you know these guys, and then they start thinking like, "Hey, they know how to get me out." Then they start overthinking it. So I think no matter who you uh, you face, the advantages should be in, in your favor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't because I haven't played with them. I haven't seen their tendencies in a while now. But uh, I don't know. I think. I think Heston's got one of one of the best just bats in, in the country right now, and and that's a guy I don't think I ever want to have to face if it really matters. Maybe the Nats will draft him, and you won't have to. That'd be cool. Maybe him. <laughs> maybe they'll get a Casey Opitz too. Yeah. And so, who is the one guy on the Nationals that you're looking forward to meeting in big league camp or just at some point in the future? Um. Are you just like like just somebody who's like on the big league club that I, I kind of want to get to know and maybe yeah. around. I think I think Strasburg could be a cool guy to just talk around and you know, and I guess also do little just because we, we kind of we've got very similar pitch types and we pitch very similar with mostly fastballs and whatnot so now are you when you're pitching are you more like Scherzer or are you are you more of a kind of free and easy guy are you like one of those guys that literally looks at you like he wants like you want to kill him or um see I, I would say I, I just have like a blank blank to somewhat maybe mean expression but I, I'm not I don't I'm not big on the stare downs or anything uh I just try not to show any emotion while I'm out there for the most part that's a good way to be I mean Scherzer's kind of made his name out of it of, of being that like bulldog where he no matter who you are, he's going to look at you and you're going to be intimidated as shit when you get up. But, I mean, like it, it, I think there are ways to be. And, I mean, that just being stoic is probably probably an easy way to go, uh, unless you are like Scherzer. But, yeah. uh, Tex, you got another question? Yeah, I do. Um, feel free not to answer this if you don't want to. So, in five years, um, you're the big league closer for the Nats and you're facing the Philadelphia Phillies, um, you throw a fastball, runs a little arm side, and hits Bryce Harper in the back, and he's charging at you, what are you doing? What is this question? Oof. See, I don't 
I don't know. I, I, I'd like to know. I'd like to think I know what I would do, but I've never been put in that situation. I'm sure Bryce is a much bigger guy than I am. Uh, I'm probably, I'm probably just trying not to take any, any kind of cleat. Mm. Well, if he throws your, if he throws his helmet at you, it'll be fine. He's not going to hit you. Yeah. But I'm, 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 I'm probably going to try to avoid any kind of cleats and, and I don't want any big blows to the face because that'll be all over Sports Center. <laughs> no, be like trying to make it a boring fight, probably. Yeah. <laughs> or you could get him in the Nolan Ryan headlock. Yeah. Because that... all you got to do is land one or two and you're good. Yeah. All right. So, last, uh, my last topic for you, unless these guys have anything else, um, let's talk about some minor league life stuff. So, we're big advocates for raising minor league pay, uh, just getting better lives for them in general, just because, I mean, obviously. A lot of people know that minor leaguers are very underpaid and that it's a it, it's an issue that needs to be addressed in the MLB. So talk to us about that minor league life and like housing and, and pay and game days and off days. So what what is a what's a typical day for you on an off day? On an off day, oof. On an off day I'm probably getting a pedicure. Uh I'm right with you, dude. I think Shelly, didn't you make fun of me the other day for getting a pedicure? I did. <laughs> oh, I, I got to keep my toes good. That I'll get blisters on the side and stuff if I don't get those calluses scrubbed off while I'm pitching. But uh, off day, I'm probably doing whatever I can not to think about baseball. But, uh, yeah, so I'm probably getting a pedicure, maybe go watch a movie or find a bowling alley or something. Yeah. Oh, you hit the lanes. You better than Mookie Betts? Uh, bowling? Yeah, probably not. I'm not the best bowler. I think my best bowling score is probably like a 160 something. That's not bad. It's probably better than all three of us combined, I would say. Yeah, I think we could all bowl 10, uh, 10 frames, and we could still not get a, get a combined score of 160. Well, it depends. If the bumpers are on, I'd be doing all right. <laughs> you know how to spin it, like it, like I guess. Um, like... So I, I mean, I know how to. That's. I'm not super consistent with it. So uh, I usually get like a 12 to 14 pound ball and I just try to throw it as hard as I can. I like that strategy. So, That's the pitcher way of bowling. I like seeing the pins rattle. I feel like the more the pins rattle, better chance of a strike. Yeah. Are you, get, are you getting slapped in the face before like a big bowl? Big, big... Uh, mm, no, nah, I keep the slap to baseball and then maybe like a party game or something. I hear you. What about like when you're off season lifting or something, you're going to like, you know, hit a PR when you would like a deadlift or something. That, that, that'd be a, I haven't done it yet. I, I, I mean, I feel like that'd be a good scenario for it. You smelling salts? Um, I mean, I'm not like any kind of like actual use for them. I mean, if somebody has one, I'm definitely gonna take a sniff. <laughs> I hear it. They mentioned party games. What's your what's your favorite what's your favorite drinking game? Um. Probably this game called F the Dealer. Oh okay. yeah, I played that game. Yeah, probably That's that. Good How good are you? Are you died beer die? I don't think I've ever played that. No. Uh, hmm. This is the. I think this might be the fifth or sixth straight <clears throat> that we've had that has never played beer beer die. Yeah, Chris Taylor. We asked Chris Taylor that question. He said uh, he he had not played beer die either. Must oh, be like a non-pro athlete thing. It's just. You gotta look it up and, and send it around your uh, your minor league squad. Y'all gotta play it. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So, all right, now let's take me to a game day. What's your what's your routine like in the morning? And then, like, do you? So, actually, before I start with that, are you bringing the slap to the minor leagues? Like, I already have. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> who, who? How do you choose who's slapping you? Is it um, bullpen so catcher? It was the pitching coach. Because he would come down there and he would watch everyone uh, warm up before they go in the game, and he would slap me. But then uh, we got to some parks that had some bigger fan bases, and there were people that would start recording it, and he didn't like that. So uh, it switched between one of the guys that I had known for quite a few years, Reed Schaller, and uh, one of the Latin players would do it. Nice. Hmm. All right, so game day. What What's your routine like in the morning before game time and, and like – Say for a, I don't know, 
One o'clock ball game. What time you get into the park? Oh, one o'clock ball game. Let's see. It's twelve, eleven, ten. I'm probably getting there nine or nine thirty. Uh, y'all got y'all have to Shagner be penal. See that that's that's the it'll depend. I mean, early in the season we'll probably we'll have to take like do Shag and BP before every game. Uh, so yeah, we'd have to get there probably like nine o'clock. Eat, get out on the field, go do a whatever kind of practice they want us to do for that day for about an hour and a half. Shag some BP and then go back inside and eat, chill around for a bit, and get ready for the game. Yeah. So, what about, I guess, what would it be for a 7.30 game? Which I guess it's probably the normal time. What time would you get in there? Just to yeah, so 7.30 game, uh, I'm probably showing up at 2.30. That's not bad. Uh, I probably got food. I probably woke up at like 11.30, 12, if it's a 7.30 game. Uh, I might grab food. I might not. It'll depend on what the spread's been like the past couple days at the field. Yeah. So, give me your best pitch as to why minor leaguers should get paid more. It's, we're gonna try. Like, we can try to use this for like a video promo. Oh, because we obviously I think you you've heard of Eric Sim, um, mm-hmm. and how he's like advocating for minor leaguers, and so we talked to him, and we he told us about his plan for it and why he wants them to get paid more. What it, why. Like, what is your pitch as to, say, Rob Manfred as to why minor leaguers should get paid more? Um, I think it's just it, – it should be uh, maybe not so much for guys like me who went in the top seven rounds or whatever, but especially for seniors or anyone who, who signed later on and they don't have the luxury of having a little extra money to live on for a few years. Uh, if you want to – if you have, like, a girlfriend or a wife and you want to – not live with the host family that's I mean you're probably calling home you're asking for money for that because uh I mean I, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be able to afford it on just the minor league salary I'd have to cut into my bonus for that yeah who is uh all right so shift away from the minor leagues what it, who was your favorite pitcher growing up uh Kershaw for sure Tex likes that one um, Texas Dodgers fan we, we were actually just talking about Kershaw in the intro and uh, how you know, even when he retires, the Dodgers should be pretty good overall in the pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Kershaw, Kershaw is going to be a legend uh, when he when he's done. But mm-hmm. anybody, y'all got any other questions? All good? Yep. Yeah. All right. Matt Cronin, everybody. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at MG underscore Cronin. And Matt, you got anything to, to plug or anybody anybody uh, to plug? No. Shout out New Balance. Yeah, New Balance, Wilson Bolton. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Matt Cronin, thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for your thanks for taking your time. Awesome. Yeah, thanks guys. Won't you follow me into the jungle?